Hi, I'm Emer McGuire, and you're listening to Best of Belfast. This It's very, very random, but my first memory is whenever I think I was, I don't know what age it was, three or four or so, and I was wearing my favourite purple jumper that had a, a rectangle <laughs> on the front with flowers in it. It was um, very of its time, very 90s, mm. and I was running out in the street, and my big sister Kitty and her friend Catherine were chasing me on their bikes. So I was running, they were on their bikes, and I tripped and fell, and my sister Kitty um, ran me over in her oh. bike. <laughs> and I, I felt like my arm exploded, and I went to the house, and I had to get my favourite jumper cut off me. And now in my house in Belfast, I have a photo of me in that jumper, just before the accident. Oh, um, so that is that is my first really, really clear memory, and I think it's because it was so traumatic, and I've got a really good <laughs> scar to show for it. <laughs> it's like a Northern Irish 90s version of Stranger Things. <laughs> that, that's exactly what You've it got was. the bikes, you've got the chase, you've got the trauma. I actually thought exactly. you were going to say and you know actually on my wall at home there's a frame <laughs> version of this sweater that you've just kept <laughs> no it's me 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 and the jumper which is which is even better even yeah better. definitely stranger things like strabaner things the low budget version of stranger things. oh man so good so if you've just jumped in we are i was gonna say sitting down with because that's what i usually say but I'm actually technically standing and we're doing this remotely over the phone because of, well, COVID. Uh, but we're on the phone, I suppose, here today with Emer McGuire. Now, Emer is a TEDx performing musical comedian. Now, that's a pretty <laughs> niche, niche title. I really like that. Yeah, it sounds like it's not not a thing. <laughs> like, that's not a job, is it really? No, nah, totally. But you you definitely, you're going to own the search engines with that. That's for sure. Uh, she's also an international award-winning science communicator and a double Irish radio award-winning BBC radio presenter. And I think that's so, so, so cool. I want to jump into the whole science communication thing. Uh, but we actually first met through radio, which is bizarre because, well, I don't do a lot of radio, unlike you. And so we first met... Uh, through a good friend called Owen and you actually yeah you actually interviewed me for about Instagram yeah. RIP Instagram <laughs> yeah um yeah you, you came on we were doing a show called um science and stuff on on Radio Ulster and you came on yeah we were talking about Instagram and all the cool things that you were doing on Instagram um and it was all kind of about your life and your motivations as well so yeah that was cool well How it's long a, ago was that? a mate I don't know Year I'm gonna say at least two years which is crazy glad to be able to return the favor because uh, I'm really excited to kind of find <laughs> out more about your own story the Straban story uh so Emer's <laughs> solo show is just back from a sellout run at the 2019 Edinburgh Fringe Festival going to talk about comedy and talk about kind of how this whole COVID thing's disrupted that uh, we also shared the stage on the TEDx you brought the house down with that TEDx talk it was so 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 funny and I was messaging people this morning I was like loved how she was like ripping the priests <laughs> so 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 good and so it was hilarious that they were there <laughs> Emer's performances that take a funny and sometimes scientific look at the oddities of human behavior uh, from the nuances of being a middle child to social awkwardness and online dating Emer explores what it means to be human and so I think that's an awesome place to start <laughs> what it means to be human i'm not going to ask you that question but i will ask you where did your kind of curiosity and people kind of begin or you know is there anywhere that, that spawned from uh, earlier in your life 
Um, I guess I've always been like quite a social person, and I feel like your your childhood and the experiences you have really, really shape you. And I've got three siblings, and I feel like you can't help but notice how weird people are whenever you've got a couple of siblings. Um, <laughs> so I feel like I've just always been really interested in human behaviour and why we do the things that we do and I suppose if you have siblings or your family members your friends you know how are people so similar yet they're so different like I'm I'm kind of very very intrigued by those things and I'm just really intrigued by the mind as well and kind of learning as much as I can about it so it's just something I've always been interested in and as I say like I'm a social person I've always been interested in people and communication and learning about them so I think looking at human behavior is quite a quite a natural thing for me. And where did the science come into it? Like, were you a big double award science fan in school or what, what was the crack? <laughs> big double award science fan? <laughs> um, no, I absolutely hated science in oh, school, wow. to be honest. I hated it. So I guess when I was in primary school, I would have been quite into learning about space and that kind of science. But um, kind of as I, as I went up primary school and went into secondary school, my big love, I guess, was English and writing and music and those kind of things and sports. So do you know how at school like it's kind of decided what you're good at? So sure. I was good at English, good at music, good at sports. Like those were my things. Um, and then I kind of took it upon myself to decide that I hated maths and science. Um, and I was <laughs> I was probably okay at them. I mean, I was, I was quite good at them, but I just thought they were so boring and I didn't enjoy them. Um, so I kind of got rid of doing those subjects as as quickly as I could. And for A-level, I kind of did more creative subjects as well. And then when I was picking my degree... I kind of chose one at random, so I looked at a, I looked at a university booklet, decided what university I was going to go to, um, and then went through the booklet and picked speech and language therapy quite randomly because I thought, oh, it's all about communication, I'm good at English, I like talking to people, um, and this is also a helpful thing to do for people, you know, <laughs> so I'll do that. And then my first semester, it was like, boom, your first, you know, first thing you got to learn about is anatomy and neurology and all oh, these wow. things, and I was like, oh no I've made a terrible mistake <laughs> there's so much science in this and then the anatomy and neurology that we were doing was so cool it was so interesting and I kind of fell in love with it um and then after I did that degree I went on went to Queen's and did a master's in clinical anatomy because I suddenly got really oh, wow. really interested yeah in anatomy um and I've kind of loved it ever since so I didn't come to science till later and my love for science didn't happen until later but now now I really adore it unreal so how do you go from learning about science to communicating it and kind of educating other people on it um well the reason honestly that I wanted to do that was because I felt if I had had like a resource that I thought was like a cool way to learn science when I was at school I would have been more into it um so what I kind of do is like have a bit of crack, make science jokes, um, <laughs> write science comedy songs um, to try and like sneakily get people interested in science. So instead of writing love songs, you know, I've got like scientifically accurate love songs about the kind of <laughs> chemistry and biological processes that happen when you fall in love. So I kind of um, use that as a way to get people interested because I think, see if I was doing my GCSEs or whatever and somebody had to come in like with a guitar and some weird <laughs> songs about why science is funny. Like I would have, I would have loved that. Um, so I kind of, 
I'd entered like a science communication competition when I was doing my master's degree. Um, and it kind of said, you, would you be able to explain a scientific concept in three minutes? And I thought, yeah, I think I could. Um, <laughs> but the, the, the kind of thing was that you had to public speak. You know, we had to do it in front of people yeah. on a stage. Um, and my big thing in life was that I was terrible on a stage. I was, you know, a terrible public speaker. I wouldn't be confident enough to do any of that. So I kind of did it as a challenge to myself. Um, and then it just went went really well. And then ever since then, I've kind of been communicating science to people in that way, kind of at festivals or on stages or, or uh, at conferences and things. So, yeah. So awesome. So I have a whole whack of like um, listener questions people have sent in. So we have like a group of patrons called the Producers Club. And one of the ways we say thanks uh, one of the ways we try to give back is to give them a chance to ask questions and so I'll kind of fire these out at random whenever I think it's somewhat relevant okay. and uh, <laughs> this is a good one but they say hey Emer, um, how inspired were you by uh, Jack Black in School of Rock? <laughs> oh my god so <laughs> I absolutely loved School of Rock like when I, I remember whenever I was younger um, and it came out I was kind of a little bit obsessed with it. I know when I was younger, if any movies came out and they were kind of focused around music, you know, like Once with Glenn Hansard and things, <laughs> I was totally obsessed with them. But School Rock came out whenever I was 11, I think. Mm. Um, so to be that age, oh, I think I was 11 or 12. But whenever I was 11, I, you know, made my confirmation. And as you know, as a great money-making racket <laughs> it's a racket <laughs> so got a got a couple of pounds and what i did was i went to argus and bought myself a super cheap electric guitar um and started to learn how to play it i know oh, so unreal. badass exactly so that was the age that i got that guitar and that was also the time that school rock came out oh, baby. and i the was obsessed oh yes i was obsessed with it so that's a really good question plus one of my favorite actresses joan cusack is in it so it's absolutely brilliant very inspired Awesome. Very, very cool. Yeah. Um, this is a real stinker of a question, but uh, do you have a favorite comedian or anyone that uh, inspired you? It's another listener question. Ooh, do I have a favorite comedian? Do you know that's really, that is a really difficult question because I kind of fell into comedy absolutely ac accidentally. Um, so I wasn't someone kind of growing up, you know, consuming masses of comedy thinking this is who I'm going to be like this yeah. is who I'm going to be like um so I wouldn't have anyone that's, that's an idol in that sense I do really think the the you know the duet of Barry and, and Frida by Victoria Wood is one of the best things that's ever been written I think she's mm. a genius um so I do I do like her I always liked Bo Burnham as well the musical comedian um at the minute I really really like Joe Lysett, um, and who's the other person I really like at the minute? Oh, there's a comedian, and I've, I've been, he's called Tom, but I can't remember his second name. He's an English guy. Oh, Tom Allen. Um, he is kind of popping up everywhere at the minute. He's kind of a very funny English comedian, <laughs> and he's kind of very sarcastic and incredibly witty. Oh, um, so th those, are, those are the people that I'm joining at the minute, but um, everyone kind of always says to me, it's your stuff's like Irish Victoria Wood, and that's kind of <laughs> we'll my take favorite it. thing because I think she's she's great. Yeah, and I like I like Rosie Jones as well, but I haven't really seen enough of her. Whereas I've seen quite a lot of the the other two yeah, recently. Yeah, that's a great question. So, did science 
communicating get you into comedy or did comedy get you on the stage first? No. So science, science communicating got me on the stage first. So that kind of science communication competition that I entered was in, in 2015 and it got me on a stage in Belfast in the black box oh, talking right. about the science of kissing for three minutes. <laughs> um, and kind of from there I started to do more talks and things, but then people started to refer to me as a comedian ah. um, or people started to do that in their descriptions. Um, and I, I wasn't a comedian and I was like, come on, guys, I'm talking about science here. Um, uh, there was like a mental, like crazy but gust of wind and like rain against like this shed and all of a sudden the Wi-Fi drops. So I'm hot spotting <laughs> you at the minute on the phone. So hopefully that'll keep going. Sorry for cutting out on you there. No, 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 you're totally okay. The, uh, the last thing I heard from you was uh, people had just started referring to you as a comedian. Oh, yeah. Um, so people had started to refer to me as a comedian, even though I was kind of there doing science talks and things. And then one time at a gig, uh, a guy came up to me. Um, he was the sound man of the gig that I was doing. Um, and he said, would you mind um, Would you mind if someone referred to you as a comedian? And I said, well, I'm not a comedian. <laughs> You're but like, bro, why? I don't identify as a comedian, so you better <laughs> so back off. That's not what I am. Um, <laughs> and he said it was because he had recommended me for a gig and he described me as a comedian. And I thought... Right, okay. But I, I feel like the reason I don't want to describe myself as that is because everyone that I saw was a comedian were kind of guys who'd been doing it for years and, yeah. and people knew them and they were doing a very certain type of comedy and, and I didn't really fit into that. So I was like, oh, I'm not funny enough to be a comedian. Oh, I'm not actually a comedian. So I think it was like imposter syndrome. But sure. now, now I'm just like, do you know what? I've done a lot of comedy shows now. Um, it's kind of... It's kind of taken off in the in the year that I've been doing it now, and it's the shows have all gone really well. So I'm like, no, it's fine. I'm I'm a comedian, and Great. people are kind of referring to me much more Class. as that than anything else. So you're just owning it now. I'm just owning it. Yeah, I'm like there is like a real come. there's real pressure that comes along with like the term comedian because you think about it like it's all very well standing up to give like a science talk and making loads of people laugh. It's like oh mm-hmm. great, that's an added bonus, but it completely changes. Like whenever you go to a stand up gig or you go to a comedy show where the audience is sitting there and they're like, make me laugh. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's <laughs> such a different pressure. Do you know what? That's exactly. That's that's a perfect description for what I was feeling. It was like I'm at all these science things and people are like, oh, my God, the science person's funny. This is a great novelty. Whereas I didn't want to go to a gig and it'd be like, you know, this isn't comedy. You know, yeah. this isn't very And you're kind of there's pressure on you to make people laugh. Um, but I kind of thought I'll do a couple of gigs. If nobody laughs, I'll kind of pretend that I never said I was a comedian anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> I just did them. And thankfully, thankfully, I haven't... Um, haven't died on stage um everything's always <laughs> gone down really well which is like surprises me every time but That's um cool. yeah it's good it's awesome good. i was listening to um i think it was like a desert island disc was ed sheeran and he talked about like the importance of like being surprising wherever you show up and then i was listening to something else and they were talking about like what is laughter and they're kind of connected to like laughter to surprise and i suppose in a way like when you were science communicating, you surprised people by your comedy. But now you go to comedy and you can almost surprise people by your science, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's exactly it. Like, you know, I feel like the comedy that I do is a little bit different. And the, the fact that, like I like to say, like it's sprinkled with science. It's not a science lesson in any way, but there's kind of facts and things thrown mm. in. And, and I imagine, you know, if I 
if I wanted to listen to to comedy, I quite like comedy that's you know fast paced, witty. You know, you, you feel like not really that you're learning something, but you're like, oh, ha ha, that's really yeah. smart, and I get it. You know, um, I kind of enjoy that kind of comedy, and I I think the comedy that I do is very mainstream and and kind of for the masses, and I'm hoping people enjoy it for the for the same reason. That's cool. So out of all of this, out of all the things you do, and we haven't even touched on like your musical career yet, but <laughs> out of all of these kind of strands, these branches, like what are you trying to do? Is there a certain kind of like thing you're trying to achieve? Is there a certain change you're trying to make happen in people's heads? You, I know that's kind of like a bit of a, a wanky question, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, the, the thing that I really enjoy, um, as I said, at the start like I really enjoy people I really enjoy communicating with people when I think about my friends the thing I really enjoy most is making people laugh and kind of being in a really positive space where everybody's having a good time so I don't really mind through what form I do that whether it's comedy or you know trying to help people get a little bit more invested in science or kind of playing music that people really enjoy um I love all that but but what I also really like is kind of getting the opportunity to be creative so if I'm able to use like the creative skills that I have and kind of combine them into this um writing musical comedy or, or writing scripts for radio or, or writing and performing I, I'm ca- kind of happy but I think anything that I do it's kind of just my personality so when I get up and tell stories on a stage or sing songs on a stage you know like I don't do characters or anything it's literally mm. just me on a stage talking how I would talk to my friends or singing songs that like I think are funny and that you know my friends would enjoy or whenever I'm teaching people science I'm literally talking to them and having the crack as if it's my friends so it's kind of just I just kind of want to be myself and connect with people and communicate with people and make people laugh. Mm. Have you found it difficult to kind of show up authentically in each of the places that you're showing up so for example I know when I first started this podcast like my first 50 episodes, like if I listen back to them now, I cringe because I'm like, what type of a voice was I putting on? Like, what the <laughs> heck? Like, have you have you struggled at any point to kind of like be who you are, whether you're on stage, whether you're behind a mic or whatever it is? Um, Not really. The, the thing I would probably struggle with more is if someone was asking me to be something other than myself. <laughs> so I remember um, whenever I was recording a script for something once um the person I was recording it with was like you know be more like hi my name is Emer and I was like <laughs> I can't do that it's so that's so cheesy that's so fake that is so not me like yeah. do you know what I mean so I would more struggle the other way so I kind of feel like even if I'm on a stage or if I'm on a show or whatever like I feel like it's it's so easy to be yourself you're literally you just be yourself and open your mouth and start and start talking so I um would struggle the other way but I really don't know if that's anything I always have this theory that the one thing um because because I always feel like I was like an all-rounder like the one thing I could never do at school was drama Mm. or acting like I could never be a different character in that way Um, and the only time I could do that is like you know, if I was with my friends and like really, really taking the hand or something or like, you know, putting on stupid voices like that. Otherwise, I've, I could not do any acting <laughs> like that. So I always think I don't think I could be anyone other than myself. Yeah. Um, 
So that's, that's maybe just, I have no choice because I have no skills Mate, <laughs> to be a different Here, person. Here, it's, it's not a bad quote-unquote flaw to have. Like, it's good. Yeah, but I do feel like even when I'm on stage and I'm, I'm doing comedy or whatever, do you know, like, the only thing that's different is I'm probably more, how would you describe, probably extra on stage or mm. more flamboyant on stage, which is funny because I think the main thing about my performances in quote marks is that I'm very laid back and it's all very understated <laughs> and you know it's all very subtle yeah. but that is the more flamboyant version of me yeah yeah, yeah. um so, so that's that's the only difference really yeah you just show up with like a heightened version of yourself but I think that's normal. yeah 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 but Man, if me. we were um if we were in the studio right now, if we were in person, I would like get the phones rigged up and me like make you do like prank calls to people we know to see if you could like <laughs> be something you're not just to see people's reaction. But we'll so have I, to. Uh, I we'll... would not. I would not be able to get through that without laughing. That is the kind of incredibly childish thing that I just think is hilarious. Oh, you know, so good. So I mean, throughout all of this, you're still speech therapist, right? Yep. Yep. So um, let's talk. Okay, well, let's hear a wee bit on that then. Yeah, so up until up until last Christmas, I think, I worked full-time as a speech and language therapist. Um, so 2015 was my first kind of, like I was saying, like public speaking thing. Um, and that was also the time that I got my first speech and language therapy job. Um, and I worked, worked full-time. So initially I worked half the week with kids and half the week with adults in the community. Um then I moved around a little bit and I worked in, in the hospital working in neurology and then working in brain injury. Um, and then just last, la- around about this time last year, I went part time, took a big jump because I was, I was kind of doing <sighs> it. Leap. I know it was so scary. It is scary. Um, and I just thought, oh, I'm just going to do it. But I kept on, kept on those, those two days, you know, so now I work Monday and Tuesday speech therapy um, and then I work the rest of the week kind of for myself doing those little creative things that I really enjoy. Yeah. So, I mean, talk to me. Let's talk business, right? So and, <laughs> yeah. uh, there's there's like typically like a very, very loose entrepreneurial focus in this podcast. But I mean, like it's it's very, very shaky most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm always interested to see how people make it work. And what I mean by that is like I'm a creative I like when I read your bio, I actually felt like a, a sea of relief wash over me. I was like, thank goodness I'm not the only person that like has multiple plates. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, how how do you make it work and how can people make their creativity and their passion work for them whenever it comes to the business side of it? Um, I really, well, I do think having, like you're saying, you're not the only person with, with loads of plates. I think you know, the way you're doing things or having multiple things on at the same time is something that really works for me because um, obviously I, I do the speech therapy two days a week in case, you know, a, a worldwide pandemic hits and all your creative work is cancelled. <laughs> Look at that. Fair play, Emer from the past. Like you made some good business decisions. Let's do it. I know. My parents now are so like, hi, we told you so. Didn't I tell you? Here, uh, <laughs> we're from Strabane and we're job. telling you. <laughs> uh, exactly. So um, I think it's good to have have a couple of pits. So, so I do that and then I kind of do a variety of other things. So kind of do things that, um, you know, like comedy gigs and then I would, I'm like an event MC. So I host events and kind of Oh, you'd be kind of do, at that. It's, so, it's such good crack. Mate. I really love it. Oh. It's so fun. So I kind of host events for like, say science groups women's groups technology groups but literally any 
groups that want like a bit of crack. Um, anyone who pays invoices. So, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so I kind of do that. And then I do um, like, I, I would do uh, like communication and presentation, public speaking courses for companies and ah, groups and great. things, um, which is which is really good. And then I would do little things like, writing theme tunes for like radio shows or like writing writing bits and pieces of music for for things as well and then obviously the radio and podcast and type stuff so i honestly think as many things that you can have um f- to keep obviously i th- i i want to do those things cuz they like keep me really active and keep me mm. keep me doing things um but also it's really really good because if one of the things isn't blossoming as much as you would like <laughs> you've got all these other things as you know um to fall back on other kind of streams of income and things and i try and be quite strict with my time in terms of organizing how much of my time that i'll allocate to each task or how much of my time i'll allocate this week to like doing finances or preparing for events or writing scripts or doing presentations so i do think having all those things and trying to make them uh trying to be able to monetize them as well is something that i didn't know how to do at the start because i was like who's gonna pay me money to listen to my funny songs do you know (laughs) whereas now i was like like a, a couple of months or maybe a year ago i was like well I should be doing communication training. I should be doing all these other yeah. things. And, you know, so I, I think that's, that's important. And I, I do think there's like, I don't know what I would do if I wasn't constantly doing things, but that's maybe sure. just a personality thing. You're probably the same. <laughs> Stop looking into my soul. <laughs> <laughs> We're twins. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, how do you manage the whole routine side of stuff like how do you organize your time because there is this kind of like you know archetype where it's like the creative person is like drinking whiskey all day and smoking cigars <laughs> and then like you know writing the novel throughout the night but i think the reality for most people who make a career out of creativity it's very very different so what does it look like for you yeah um i mean if you do drink whiskey and smoke cigars please tell us <laughs> i'm like it's like he's in the room right now. <laughs> you hear like <laughs> the clinking, there. the clinking <laughs> yeah. of the bottles in the background. Just sitting there with a massive cigar. Um, no, I do. It's probably half and half that. So kind of minus the whiskey and the cigar, but but stand up, I do do that. But what what I find works best for me is um, like like a strict enough schedule. Um, so you know, pre COVID and and pre my current football ankle injury my what I would prefer to do is like I like getting up really early going to the gym in the morning and then coming home and you're, you're starting your work early and I like to kind of schedule my days kind of into like 45 minute slots 15 minute break 45 minute slots and in mm. each of those like I'll put um like a specific project and I honestly like it sounds a bit rigid I don't do that every day, but days where I really need something done, that is honestly the only way I can do it. And wow. I stick a timer on my phone and I find those are the days that I just do everything that I say that I'm going to do. Um, and I make progress every day on whatever projects I'm working on if if I do it like that. Wow. So yeah, it works. What's, what's the magic of 45 minutes? Um, I think, I know 45 minutes seems like a totally like, <laughs> like a totally random way to do it so it's kind of like that whole like um i don't know if i'll say it right but you know the like pomodoro technique oh yeah yeah, it's like the time management so you use a timer and they're kind of 25 minute you do everything in 25 minute chunks and then you have like a five minute break then 25 minute chunks five minute break um that's too much yeah so i i kind of 
I kind of prefer to do that, but like 45 minutes and then a 15 minute break, because I would feel 25 minutes by the time I get really stuck into something. Mm. Um, I would, you know, I would want to keep working on it and not taking the break. Whereas I feel like that kind of magic is you take the break and you feel like you've got this big chunk of work done. So, I mean, that probably wouldn't work for for everyone, but I kind of do like having that. And I like having, you know, specific times to do things. Like I like going to the gym at half six in the morning. I like the fact that I go to football and it's on specific times every week. Like I, I feel like just having a schedule works for me. Like, it's hilarious because I'm the most laid back person <laughs> in the world and people always comment on how laid back I am. So the reason I use it is not because like I'm a rigid person. It's because literally without it, I will do nothing. <laughs> so it's literally just a way to kind of organize myself. Yeah. Um, any tools this is such a different type of podcast i don't usually ask questions like this i feel like i'm really (laughs) going down the like life hacker road right now Um, but is there any like tools or resources that you find have really helped you kind of in that time management hustle process yeah yeah totally um do you know what right do you see if my if like my secondary school version of myself was listening to me right now i'd be like you never studied for anything in your life um <laughs> i wish i had you've known betrayed these me older emer <laughs> you're not the girl i thought you were but uh there's this thing that i use that honestly is really good and i kind of tell everyone about it um and i kind of there's a, a group a group of girls that i work with in a school in belfast um and i kind of tell them to use it because it kind of helps you stay on your work and it's an app called forest i don't know if you've, if you've oh, got this do you bro it's yes so and you plant so something good. yeah so what you do right <laughs> you, it's so cool so it's literally basically it's a, it's a dressed up timer it's just a timer <laughs> it's a countdown timer okay but you choose the time that you're gonna focus for uh f- say 45 five minutes um i put my timer on and depending on how long you put it on for it gives you like a cute little tree or a little plant or whatever um and you can set it so that you can't look at your phone or lift it or go back into it in that time and if you do it'll say oh no you're going to kill your beautiful tree why would you do this oh you're so cruel um and then the more time that you do it plants your trees and then what you can do, it gives you coins. And I think then you can actually use those coins and exchange them to plant a tree in real life. Oh, my days. It's so good. But uh, it's really, really good for someone like me who needs that kind of obsessive structure to do my work. So that is my, that's my proper tool. That's wow. what I use every Unbelievable. day. Unbelievable. It's uh, like a, an actual useful version of, I don't know if you remember this. It was kind of like big, like when we just probably would have gone into like secondary school. I can't remember what it was called, but it was like, the rice challenge or something and you would like go mm-hmm. online and you would answer questions and if you got the questions right this organization would donate grains of rice to like oh, like cool. charities i i kind of thought you would be on board with that i'm surprised you didn't that say is it cool. i mean i hate rice i'd be raging if i got a bag of rice but i mean that is that is really cool i didn't know about that <laughs> well, had i known about that uh, i would have been a much better student <laughs> you would have been all over it like <laughs> yeah well let me ask you this how big is your forest? Like, how many trees are going on right now? <laughs> I just feel like, how big is your forest? It's such like a dodgy night out per- chat up line. It's a personal question. <laughs> it is. Let me see. Um, my forest is pretty big. Now, today my forest has got a couple of trees in it because I've maybe done four 45-minute chunks. Um, yeah, 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 which is which is pretty good for me. But you can kind of you can kind of check it out over time. You've you've got your your timeline of your of your forest, and it tells you how many things you've planted 
than the one you've planted. So I think mine's is, mine's is looking pretty average at the minute. Epic. So, so cool. So switching gears slightly here, uh, talk to me about podcasting. So elementary, like, my dear, is a yeah. great title. I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> Thank you. It like Fine. it is so niche that it's like the people who get it will instantly be interested. They're like, oh, I like I'm the type of person that really enjoys Sherlock Holmes and I'm the type of person that <laughs> likes science. I find my oh, people. This is where I belong. Perfect. <laughs> this is the podcast for you. Um so Elementary, Elementary Media was a really fun podcast to make. Um it's a podcast that I made with National Museums Northern Ireland. Um and Last year was the year of the periodic table. Um, so with mm. National Museums, yeah, we, we kind of decided to make like a, a six-part podcast series all about um, some of the wonders of some of the most interesting elements in the periodic table. And I wanted to focus on the fact that elements were literally everywhere and they're in all these weird places and, you know, they're, they're in your phone, they're in the art world, they're literally everywhere. Um, and I kind of had... We we did six episodes, um, and we talked about we talked about literally everything, and it is about science, but I mean, I'm not I love science, but I'm not particularly interested in chemistry, mm. um, but this is kind of popular science, so this is for anyone. So like, there's an episode on meteorites, there's an episode on the art world, there's an episode on kind of elements that poisoned you and all the weird, wonderful old stories about that, radioactivity. So there's kind of uh, episodes on everything. And like I say, they're not Dope. just for people who are interested in science. So that was that was an interesting podcast because that was the first real one that I did where I kind of did all the scripting, um, kind of did all the edit notes and all that wow. kind of thing. So, and, and all the presenting and I, I really, really enjoyed it. So it's kind of inspired me to work on a few of my own as well at the minute. So, so cool. Um, another listener question here. There hasn't been a, the right time to do this. So I figured now is as good a time as any. <laughs> Hi, Emer. What's your favorite joke? <laughs> oh my God. My favorite <laughs> joke. Carl, why would you ask that? <laughs> well, See, this is like, do you know what that's like? That's like whenever, like, you get into a taxi and the tax man says, like, oh, what are you doing? You're like, oh, I'm a comedian. And they're like, tell me a joke. <laughs> and then there's never, ever any jokes. No joke. In your head. Yeah, no um, joke will ever, not even that, not even, like, not that it won't be in your head, but also no joke will ever satisfy them in that moment. <laughs> that's true. Okay, well, I I actually do have uh like a good PC favorite joke. Um, so I don't tell, you know, I, I don't tell jokes when I write a comedy. I literally tell stories sure. and sing songs, but this joke. <laughs> God. So oh boy. My pa- I know, I know. Sorry. So my, my partner's dad, shout out to Jay. Come on, Jay. Tells really good dad jokes, right? Rip. And he told me a joke about a, a couple of balloons. Have you heard this about the balloon family? No. no. <laughs> all, his, all his jokes are kind of this... Um, they're in the same vein. Kind of, yeah, yeah, they're in this... They're, that's exactly what they are. They're in the same vein, right? So I'll tell you this. This is a bit of a story joke. If, if nobody laughs at this, just know that um, this joke brought me great joy whenever I heard it. <laughs> um, so there's, there's a, a mommy balloon, a daddy balloon, and a baby balloon balloon um and they're all watching tv right right so 
the mum and the dad say, right, it's time to go to bed. <laughs> but the baby balloon decides he's going to stay up a wee bit longer. Ooh. <laughs> so they head off to bed. Rebellious balloon, I like it. <laughs> this is so bad, buddy. <laughs> they head off to bed, right? And an hour later, the wee baby balloon decides that he's going to go to bed. Right. But he gets a wee bit scared. So <laughs> you're like, this is a terrible joke already. I've already met myself. He gets a wee bit scared, right? And he decides to go into his parents' room, in his parents' bed. Do you know what you do whenever you're wee and you're course, wild yeah, and annoying, right? you're a baby balloon, you need to go yeah, in. Yeah. yeah. So he's a bit too big, so he doesn't fit in. And his mum and dad are a bit big, so he doesn't fit in as well. So he goes over to his daddy <laughs> and he unties the knot and his balloon, he lets out a wee bit of air, right? And then he goes over to his mum. <laughs> I must ring my mum and tell her this joke, she's going to love it. He goes over to his mum and he lets a wee bit of air out of her. But it's still not enough. So he goes over, he opens up his own wee knot, right? And he lets out some air. And finally, after doing that for a while, he squeezes in beside his mummy and daddy to go to sleep. And then whenever he wakes up the next morning, his dad is absolutely raging, right? (laughs) So the daddy balloon says, we're very upset about last night. (laughs) (laughs) Not only (laughs) did you let me down... You let, <laughs> you let your mother down. Oh man! And worst of all, you let yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know why, but it like somehow fits in so perfectly to the Northern Irish context because I feel like that's something every Northern Irish parent has said. Oh, I know. I've heard that from my parents oh. so many times. But I just saw he was telling me that joke and he could not get through it because I could not. See, as soon as he said, you let me down, I could not stop laughing. I was like, this is an ingenious joke. And I don't know if anybody else in the world would enjoy that joke, but it brought me such joy. Oh, man. I don't know why. I think, like, I lost it so quick because I just had, like, this amazing, like, Pixar-esque animation in my head of, like, really, really high-end animation, but also a wee bit janky. Like, just a wee bit quirky to the point where it was, like... Yeah. Totally. And the thing is, like, he's... My partner's dad's got a great, great accent. So he's, like... Not only did you let me down. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, this is this is a great joke. Such a good joke. Love it. Oh, man. Well, here, I nearly scrapped that question because I was like, because I, I knew the pressure that, you know, that sort of question puts on people. But, uh, oh, man, well, I'm, I'm very glad. I know, we I know that's it. the joke when someone has told me that. That has really, honestly, made me laugh so much. Um, and it's such like a like an innocent joke. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, it's, it's so silly. Oh, but man. I really enjoy it. Brilliant. Class, class, class. So uh, moving into the stock questions here, maybe I need to ask every guest, what's your favorite joke just for the crack? Uh, <laughs> although always ask it at the end of the interview, just in case like it really, really falls flat and then you can edit it out. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've just got a, I've just got a text from downstairs. Oh my God, I've never heard you laugh so much in my life. Is, this, is that your new best friend you're on the phone to? <laughs> so yes. good. They're like, they, they don't, like this, do people not know anything about you? Like, does the person downstairs, they don't even know that, like, you're a comedian or they don't know you're a speech therapist? It's like pro- you just pro- live these multiple not. lives. Just a woman of mystery. Mm. Well, <laughs> Emer 
mysterious Emer, out of all your experience and your life journey so far, is there something that you can look back on and pinpoint as your most successful moment? Ooh. That is a really that's a really good question. Thanks. You're so welcome. It's a really hard <laughs> it's a really hard one to answer. Um I think I'm kinda I'm kinda s- stuck. Right, so I kind of I did a talk at TEDx Manchester. Mm. Um and it was it's it's quite a big one. They had, I think that two thousand or two and a half thousand people there oh um in the audience and they were live streaming and everything. Um and I was oh, on live streaming? Why did just extra pressure you like? Yeah, I know. Pressure indeed. And I was on <clears throat> I was on second last. Um, there's a girl out of Game of Thrones on last that I had never seen before, and I had no clue who it was. <laughs> and then afterwards, my brother was like, "Do you know who that is?" But anyway, um, there's a really big audience, and I kind of did that, and kind of did my science and comedy and things, and it was like such a big room that the the laughter in it was was really like like you really you could really really feel it. Mm. Um, and after I did that. I kind of was sitting at the side, kind of watching the last person do their talk or whatever. And I was thinking, you know, I don't usually think back or, or re- reflect on things, but I was thinking, this is quite unbelievable for, for me, who as a child in primary school was incredibly painfully, painfully shy. Wow. Um, and I can't believe that, that I just did that. I was totally okay and, you know, did a good job and everything. So that's something that, that is something to think about. But the other thing, the other thing that I'm really proud of is, this summer, I kind of like took a bit of a punt and went to Edinburgh Friends. Mm. And the reason that came about was um, I had applied for funding from the Arts Council, from Arts Council and I, um, to help to go. And, and I did that because I was in Portugal with my family and on the second day I got food poisoning. So I saw the application for Arts Council and thought, well, I have a week stuck in this apartment here in yeah. Portugal. I have nothing else to do. I'll do this funding. They'll never give it to me, but sure, I might as well. So I tried really hard and, and did this big, long application. And then a couple of months later, I got a thing to say, oh, yeah, we're giving you funding to go to the Fringe. Epic. And I had literally done like one or two comedy gigs at that yeah. point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I do, just take chances. And I thought, um, okay, well, I guess, I'm, I guess I'm writing a comedy show for Edinburgh Friends. Wow. And I like organized a preview show in Belfast and then I did the Friends and then had a homecoming show and everything. And like my friends and family were really supportive of it. Like they were sharing loads of stuff. My, loads of my friends and family like came over, um, gave it like, I had my ma and my brother and all like giving out flyers on, on oh, Royal Wild and, and Edinburgh, which was which was great. Um, that was a really nice experience. And then the last day, all the shows that I did had sold out because my my my, my family and all giving out flyers were super. Bro, they were working it. Um, they were working hard. Um, like there were people turning up being like, "Oh, your mother gave us this flyer, so we've come to see you." And I was like, "That's kind of adorable." Um, so. At the end of that week, once I got to the end and I thought, oh my God, I've just done a week of shows at Edward Friends. They've all sold out. I'm not even a comedian. What am I doing? You know, at the end of that week, I kind of thought this is for me. Like, this isn't like the biggest thing that, you know, you could do or whatever. But it was the biggest thing at that time yeah. for me to feel like I had achieved. Um, and kind of learned all these other skills like, you know, designing the poster, trying to do marketing for it, you know, booking venues and all that kind of thing. So I felt like that was a really big 
personal achievement for me and it was something that I felt was really nice because there was a lot of effort in it, you know, from from my friends and family as well. Unbelievable. So flip side of that, how about the the biggest challenge? And if you don't mind sharing, how are we able to overcome it? Um <clears throat> honestly, the biggest challenge was my fear of public speaking at the start. So the first ever gig, the first ever thing that I did for that science communication competition that I did, um, I arrived to the venue and there were all these kind of guys that were much older than me. They were all very accomplished. They were like consultants in the Royal or lectures or physics lectures or whatever. And I was like this 23 year old who was doing her masters, didn't really know very much. Um, And I said, actually... No, I'm not doing it. I'm not taking part. Wow. Um, and a couple of people who were there told me to wise up. <laughs> <laughs> wise up. Just do it. Um, so I thought, right, well, I've spent all this time writing a script and practicing and, and blah, blah, blah. So I thought if I do it this once in my life, I will never have to stand on a stage ever again. And I'll never have this yeah. feeling of nerves. And I, like, I was so nervous that I was sick with nerves. Like, I was really sick before. Oof. Um and then I got up on the stage and I kind of realized for the first minute you're on the stage, like it's so scary and like I was shaking and everything. But after that, it was completely fine. Yeah. Um, but I still had to, for a couple of years, like really, really focus on trying to get over that stage fright. And I always think like people asked, asked me like, oh, do you not get nervous? Or like, how do you feel about public speaking now? Um, oh, I could never do public speaking, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah. I think if I could do it, and I, like, there were, say there were talks that I went to do at the start where I was actually physically sick before, yeah. so, so nervous, or like, I felt like so anxious or nothing was going to come out of my mouth. If I could do it, I'd kind of train myself and train my brain to get over um, all those nerves and kind of realize that those nerves are just excitement, then literally anybody can do it nobody could have possibly been worse or more nervous yeah. in terms of public speaking than me so getting over that is 100% my my biggest challenge and actually that's probably one of the things that that I'm that I'm really proud of it's class so I mean again to go back into the the life hacker interviewer style <laughs> um that for some reason I'm dipping into like what are some of the the best practices or things that you've discovered for making sure that you're not nervous well really more so pushing through the nerves i suppose before you get on stage there's a couple of things that a couple of things that really help me and like i i, I would do kind of like courses um give companies and things courses on public speaking communication if you want to get into presenting or talking in public and all that kind of thing and i do talk quite a bit about public speaking and stage fright because a lot of people bring it up as being an issue mm. um and like just kind of quick tips <laughs> for that have helped me um, before you get on stage, get rid of the nerves is one of the things that I always do, like is listen to, listen to a song. It makes me feel really hyped up. It makes me feel really confident things. So I listen to I by Kendrick Lamar, which is literally yes. like the, one of my favorite songs, but the line in it over and over is I love myself. Like that is literally <laughs> it over and over. So I'm like, that gets me in a good headspace. Um, and the other thing I, I really think about is now I think about how many times have I done this before? Um, mm. How many times did it go wrong? Well, none really. How did it make me feel um, any time it went well before? And then kind of picturing how you feel after. So that works. But for someone who's never really done it before, I think 
listen to your favorite music um thinking about you need to fake your confidence so people say like fake it until you make it but i heard once like fake it until you become it and i honestly mm. think now that i'm so confident in th- things on stage because i literally pretended i was wow. until i was um and that really works and i always think as well if you're doing any kind of public speaking the audience never want you to do badly because it's just as cringy for them that's true yeah. as it is for you the audience are always really really willing you to do your best and to do well um also if you make a mistake like never apologize i always say like if the stage falls down around you or your <laughs> microphone stops working like no matter what don't apologize because people never really notice the mistake until you bring it up yeah and then you're apologizing on stage for making a mistake which is making you look not confident but it's also making you look quite incompetent yeah um so there's that and then the other thing i think is just talk to people you know try and think the audience are your friends make loads of eye contact and all that but in terms of nerves um i always feel that for the first minute of a talk or the first 30 seconds at least people's voice always sounds really weird because people tend to hold their breath a little bit yeah, and their breath their their breathing gets very shallow and things because they're not breathing properly so i think if you kind of do a little bit of deep breathing before you go on. And then for the first minute, try and really focus on making your breath as normal as possible and the rest will come with it. But you also, you need to think about it as well, like just try and imagine yourself in the most confident scenario you could. And you, you're, you've got really good body confidence. I mean, your shoulders are back, you're standing up nice and tall. Maybe think you're like on a night out with your friends and you're being absolutely hilarious and everybody's laughing and you're having a great time and you're being really confident and try and... <clears throat> and try and take that onto onto stage and just act as if you're being the best version of <laughs> yourself. Um, and it's surprising, like, the amount of things you go to where even the, the most basic things people don't think about. Like, yeah. they don't look up from their notes or they're in a really hunched position or they're kind of standing really awkwardly and really, really, really strange. So if you can kind of focus on all that, and I always say to you, like, practice in front of the mirror. Um, cause then you'll know if you do anything like bizarre with your hands or your feet or your face. Um, <laughs> and you'll also see things that you like that you're doing and you'll kind of be able to reinforce doing those again. So good. Well, I'm glad yeah. I asked that. That was absolute gold there. Class. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. Uh, if you could take anyone from Northern Iron out for a cup of coffee or a pint, who would you take? Where would you take them and why? Hmm. Does this have to be someone I know, someone I don't know? It can be anyone. And we even, when people ask the follow-up, then we always give them the card that says, hey, they can even be dead or alive. Oh, they could be dead or alive. That makes it really, really difficult. I don't know if I want to go with someone famous or if I want to go with anyone. Okay, you, you so... give a couple if, if it makes you feel better, like... <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's this, there's this kind of woman, this is going to be a really weird answer, Love um, it. Bring it. but <laughs> being from Straban, um, <laughs> there's this woman from Straban, she was a scientist like years and years and years ago. Um, and she was like a really world famous scientist, but I mean, like she was born in the late 1800s, like she died in 1947. Um, but she was called the lady computer of Straban. Um, yeah, she was like, so she was like an absolute genius, right? She's born in Straban. She's world famous 
but I'd never heard of her. Um, a plaque, like a, one of the blue plaques just went up kind of outside my dad's work Class. in, in Strabane for her, uh, yeah, by the fact that she was such an absolute legend. Um, like she was kind of, she was really famous, like astronomer um, and mathematician and everything. And there's a big crater on the moon named after her because she, oh my was so fa- yeah, she was so famous in terms of astronomy, but she was never kind of recognized in Strabane. Um, and I'm kind of doing like a lot of, kind of looking into her at the minute to try and learn about her and to try and tell people about her um because i just think it's like it's so amazing that there was someone super super famous from saran that none of us have really heard of and it's even more amazing to me that it's a woman and she's got a really great story about the fact that she wasn't really celebrated because she was a woman um so i feel like in terms of hometown heroes she's just somebody that i'm absolutely obsessed with at the minute and her name is annie monder um i don't know if she'd fancy going for a beer like <laughs> i don't know if that would be her vibe um she probably loves like, a weed glass of stout like you, you know her annie, like. i like a wee port or something do yeah you know? but like for so, the iron you know like like a multivitamin almost <laughs> <laughs> so we could uh she, like, she takes photos of the sky and everything so she'd like would go out a wee wee cruise in strabane take a few photos of the sky and a nice couple one. of wee couple of wee vitamin drinks you know do you know what she sounds like she probably would prefer like a hot beverage out of like a really old green rusty flask do you know what i mean that'd be good i'd probably drink anything out of a green rust, rusty <laughs> flask to be fair so if it's allowed to be someone who's that like kind of back in time um i'm gonna pick pick that person if it's someone if it's someone modern day literally any of my friends good nice for a drink yeah. Also, uh, hometown heroes. Are you going to use that? Because if you don't, I will. <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, totally going to use it now. Hometown um, heroes. That's awesome. <laughs> Literally, I just wrote it down, scribbled it underneath <laughs> it because it's so so good. There's uh, your next pod, I think. <laughs> that's definitely what she is for me. So good, Emer. Final question. Uh, yeah. I'm really glad the hot spots held up here because this has been so much fun. Um, <laughs> really simply, it's the ultimate podcast cliche interview ender. And it is, you know, if you could go back to an 18-year-old version of yourself, go back in time, have a few minutes of 18-year-old Emer's time, what sort of things would you say there? <laughs> oh, God. I'm just thinking back to the absolute nightmare that I was at 18. Strabanimal. Um, <laughs> major, major things. Strabanimal. Yeah, <laughs> Strabanistan. Um, I'd probably go back and say, don't be too distractible. It's a good one. Um, and I'll probably just go back and say like I feel like I've always had like a good bit of a quiet self-confidence in myself but that never really translated to kind of as I say talking in front of people and things I probably liked myself to have more confidence in that sooner um, and I probably tell myself you know like things that I create um, that they're good do you know because whenever I was 18 mm. I was flat out writing songs and um writing ideas for books and things and was never kind of confident enough to to share them with anyone so i'd probably tell myself um to have confidence as well uh, and there's they're probably the probably the biggest issues um that i could think what other advice like i don't want to give myself any advice that would be like have less good crack um because <laughs> <laughs> i don't think that's i don't think that's necessary i think uh it's a kind of your your rite of passage to have a good time whenever whenever you're eighteen. So it's probably just be more confident in yourself. Um, be patient in terms of, I guess, things that you want, um, and everything's gonna everything's gonna turn out okay. Unreal, Emer. Well, here, 
thank you very much. I really, really appreciate your time. I thought that was class. Thanks so much, Matthew. That was a lot of fun. Super good fun. And if you've made it all the way this far, thank you very, very much for listening. Really, really appreciate you spending the time hanging out with Emer and myself, especially for that joke. I can't wait to go back and listen to that joke, actually. <laughs> I'm literally going to go back and just play it whenever I need a good laugh, because for some reason, it just totally got me. Do you know what? I might like go get a megaphone here and go out and tell the street. <laughs> You know? Do you know what? It would be perfect, actually. It's like, next time to do one of those sweet 8 o'clock NHS claps, megaphone mm-hmm. out, and boom, just spread like, it. This is my, this is my NHS uh, contribution. This is what I've been working towards for my years in NHS. Here's the balloon joke. You're welcome. <laughs> so good. And if you'd like to check out uh, over 120 incredible interviews with interesting people from Northern Ireland, you can head to bestofelfast.org. Other than that, thanks again for listening. My name is Matthew Thompson. This is Best of Belfast. And we're doing a podcast every day during the lockdown. Uh, oh, quarantine wow. phone call mini series. And uh, so I usually say catch you next week, but actually see you tomorrow. And uh, stay well until then. Cheers. Hi, I'm Rebecca, creative at Lines and Current, an online jewellery and accessories brand. And I live in East Belfast with my husband, John, who also works on our business with me and our three kids. I like listening to the Best of Belfast podcast because I really love to hear the nitty gritty stuff that comes with those types of unfiltered conversations that Matt has with his local guests. I'd say my favourite episode was probably that one with Grace Chambers, the 91-year-old park run record holder. I think for us... um, We really like what Matt is doing and we've loved supporting what he's doing. Um, He seems to just be shining a light on the Northern Irish people, community and exposing all those untold stories. So yeah, if you've been on the fence about joining the Producers Club and you'd miss Best of Belfast if it wasn't there, I'd recommend you consider joining today. You can do so over at bestofbelfast.org and I look forward to seeing you in the WhatsApp group soon.